What's up, everybody? And on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the NFL. We talk about Zeke. We talk about Jared. We talk about Baker, the Browns, the, the Giants. Uh, we, we dabble in some college football because it's opening weekend this coming weekend. And we're looking forward to all of uh, college football and all of its greatness. Uh, we talk on Jay-Z and the NFL. We also touch on uh, Steph Curry and Howard University. So tune in to this week's episode Guys What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. We're back here on another Wednesday, another chaotic, funny, yet awe-inspiring week of sports because college football is kicking off in less than three days. And this brother is excited because college football is back. College football is supreme. F the NFL. Yeah, I said it. F it. I'm a Niners fan. And they suck. F the NFL. So I just put that out there real quick. Fellas, what's good? I'm here with E, Al. Let them know. Well, <laughs> what, what an intro. Uh, only thing I can top off and say is, eh, about college football, it's predictable. I, I, I'm just amazed at the fact that we have so much to talk about, and for the first time, it has nothing to do with the NBA. So I'm ready to start. Thank goodness. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about the NBA, but I, nah, I, I want to talk about. It. I choose. I I I'd rather not. <laughs> so, based off my awe-inspiring intro, college football starts on Saturday, fellas. College football kickoff between Florida and Miami. I unfortunately may not be able to see it because I might be on the road, but I'm going to try my best to get back home before that 8 o'clock kickoff. To sit here in peace and watch some college football kickoff. It's going to be kind of kind of corny. A lot of rust to knock off, but it's going to be exciting because it's college football. So what say ye? Y'all excited? I know y'all not really into college football like I'm into college football, but college football brings the the stars of the future NFL right there in front of you every Saturday. So tell me, are you alum and DeVry or <laughs> that you so choose that you want to uh, move for? <laughs> I'm going to say, are you because you're in Jersey? What say ye? Well, are you win two games this year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Flip a coin. Who who knows? Um, I am a Rutgers alum. Uh, I don't actively support the Rutgers football team. I haven't actively supported the Rutgers football team. Even when I was uh, undergrad, I really didn't support the Rutgers football team. Now I would go out at a party and drink. <laughs> I got quite twisted one day and had to walk back to the room. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> However, and they had some good parties too, the football players at the at their door. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> anyway, outside of all that, it's nice to see the college football striking up the band and all the good stuff and the crisp autumn air, the football on Saturday, especially when the Giants G-men suck and I really have nothing else to really concern myself with than to see if Alabama's gonna fall, which they don't. Uh, if Clemson's going to be Alabama, which I hope they do, and the first game is going to be Florida and Miami, it should be a good game. Um, I, so. I want to see who's going to get the chain. 
was a reception chain. Um, see if the ACC is going to actually be collectively better this year than they have been over the last couple of years. Um, but it is nice to kind of get some college football in and kind of gets my juices a little bit boiling for the NFL, which is still about three weeks out. Um, but I think the first game is Saturday, and I think what the official first weekend is usually the weekend of or the weekend before Labor Day, if I'm not correct. Mm-hmm. So that's when it, you know it's really like football season is good to go. Schools are really back in session right now. And, um, yeah, it's kind of – it's it should be interesting um, year coming in because Alabama is not ranked number one. Rank number two. Ooh. <laughs> this rank number one. Um, the top five to ten, I mean, it's like you can take a bowl and you can kind of pick, cherry pick who's going to be in the top five and ten because they usually don't change. There's usually one interloper that comes in and that person is in there for a couple of weeks but then drops out. But usually it's your Alabamas, now your Clemsons, now is um, Ohio State, Oklahoma, whatever reason they keep you know, excuse my French, sucking Notre Dame's dick for whatever reason. But I watch college football just to see those jokers lose. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. you. Well, me um, being no affiliate because DeVry never had a college football team to begin with, (laughs) I'm going to go back to my old previous school, which is Johnson C. Smith University. Um, Their football team was pretty decent. But the atmosphere was electric. And I think that's one of the, and of course, the parties, of course. Um, now you're going to talk about HBCU colleges, parties. But we missed out coming down there to see you, Al, when you was down there. That was a, that was a great miss. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, you, it was some, yeah. Anyway, the, the whole point of this is, is that um, the excitement level is there. Not for me personally, because it's kind of wind down. It's more of an intrigue factor. Um, basically because of the fact that, you know, this is week one and you got to be on, like, on the jump from the start. Any one loss um, in college football, you know, it just sets you back where you can might not even make the college playoffs. So you got to be at your game even in the first – you got to be on your game even on the first week of the college football season. And I think that level of intrigue is what gets everything going. Of course, you have the the atmosphere, the crowd, the – you know the the college students is going to be amped up, no shirts having, jumping up and down, you know, just rooting for the teams. You know, the atmosphere is going to be electric, yes. Um, but I think it's just more intriguing the fact that who is going to be that first team to fall off the face of the map um, where they're previous, like they're ranked right now. Preseason rankings show, that, of course, Clemson being number one, um, but will they stay number one? I think that type of intrigue is what's going to keep college football fans more in tune to what's going on this season. And I think that the average fan is going to be more intrigued and see who would be that team to fall off the face of the top 10 and the top, all, even the top 25 for all that matters. What team is going to step up, like you said, Earl? What team is going to be intriguing enough to say, you know what, they caught my attention to watch their games. And I think that's what it's really all about, uh, at least until the NFC. NFL season officially kicks off. So, I say I think I say this every year, but to me, college football brings the pageantry, 
brings alumni from far and wide back together. It brings a, a level of passion, in my opinion, that the NFL, the NFL has rabid fans, yes. The NFL has a fan base. The NFL has a state or a region that backs behind their team. But what makes college football great when you have teams like flagships of West Virginia, have teams in flag, flagship states like, I don't know, uh, teams that don't, states that don't necessarily have NFL pro teams. And you have the state university, that's their D1 school. And you have an entire state along with alumni that rallies behind that team every Saturday or every Friday, Thursday, whatever day they play college football games now. You know, and it just it just brings a, a heightened level of excitement, in my opinion, when you're talking about football. You know, it's the high drama. And what makes it more unique is because from year to year, there's that constant turnover. Unlike football, yeah, you might have the oh, – I'm sorry, when it comes to NFL, you may have that, that player or two who decides that they want to make themselves available to go somewhere else. But for the most part, an NFL team has their stars for at least two to three years. And then you got to kind of plan around them based on free agency and such and such. But for the most part, NFL – I'm sorry, the most part, college – is always an interchanging type of piece. And you don't know what you're going to get from year to year, unlike, unless you're like the Blue Bloods. You know, there's the 10 to 15 schools every year to get the top talent coming out of high school. So they just reload. They don't rebuild. But it's the, it's the fun of the underdog that could knock down Goliath and knock them off of their pedestal that makes college football exciting and which makes you watch Notre Dame, Earl, to see them lose because you just don't like <laughs> You know, that's what makes the Ohio State-Michigan game every year so legendary because of the hatred that they have between one another. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like a Saturday, well, at least for me, doing all your chores Monday through Friday so you know come Saturday nobody will disturb you when you want to sit there and watch college football all day. Because you made it known that you ain't doing shit on Saturday because you did everything you need to do Monday through Friday. <laughs> so it don't come to a surprise when they sit there and say, oh, babe, you want to run to uh, – no, 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 no. Because you know West Virginia is playing right now. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way on Sundays too when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? I trade my Saturday for a Sunday. Fair enough. NFL to me, I'd rather watch the playoffs, kind of keep tabs on what's going on during the regular season. Playoffs to me is when it's exciting. College football has to be exciting every every week because if you're trying to jockey for that college football playoff, you got to bring it because if you don't bring it, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> so that's where I stand with it. You know, we all know I'm a West Virginia homer, West Virginia alum. I know we're not going to be that good this year. But I'll be happy if we make a bowl, you know. But I'll be there watching them, supporting them every game because that's what I do. <laughs> and I clown all RU alum, you know.
But I hope you guys do well. I hope you guys win at least three games this year. I hope that they don't play Art. I hope they play Carter at quarterback. And I hope that it's enough to save Ash's job for at least another season. But I doubt it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be enough. But and I think, and I think Shiano is going to be back next year. <laughs> Probably would take him. <laughs> um, yeah, it's you know, it, you know, for a, a lot of people in this country, a great many people, especially I guess teams in the South and the West more so. Um, you know, there is much more of a, you know, a college football fandom. I would say more than a than the Northeast. I mean, if, if I could think about any teams in the Northeast, really, I mean, Syracuse had their had their heyday, you know, years ago. They they made a little bit of noise last year, or the last two years, but not like how it was maybe twenty plus years ago. Um, Rutgers is I well. You got to have at some point you got to get talent to come to your school in order to be good. And unfortunately, talent goes other place. So it's the chicken, it's the chicken or the eggs, you know, scenario. So at this point, I don't ever see Rutgers really getting into that upper echelon. But, but you know, for others, you know, other teams and schools, I mean, like you said, Adrian, you, you went to West Virginia. West Virginia has been, you know, overall very good and very competitive. And, and, you know, in the mix, you know, every year, maybe they'll have a year where they're not ranked or maybe they'll have a year where they're not as good. But if you take a stretch of 10 to 20 years, they've been, you know, good throughout those years. Maybe a dip here and there, but they've been good. And you went to a school that was a college football school, which supported their team. I know I saw it. We went to West Virginia. How you people get down? Uh you came to Rutgers. You saw how they're very lukewarm about the team. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've been bad, and there is no loyalty. There's no – there's not the same kind of fandom at Rutgers or even some of the Northeast teams. That's how of maybe Temple – Temple is – I think Temple is lukewarm. If they're good, they're interested. If they're not, they're not. Um, but, I mean, once you get past – then you have Penn State. But Penn State is like their own, yeah. their own thing. Yeah. Once you get out of that, that's it. I mean, you start going down the Mason-Dixie line. Now you're going to hit Maryland, and you go down to Virginia, and then you know, you know, you know, Virginia Tech. And it, I mean, like I said, it's not the kind of same fandom around the Northeast area as it was in the South and the West. So I get it. While you guys get very more, you know, very excited, but for me, it was more the flip. It was. It was always the NFL, and then, you know, I'll pay attention to uh, college football. But I will say this. Um, I don't get interested in college football maybe after the first week until maybe when the actual teams start playing teams in their conference. Like, I won't, I can care less about Alabama playing a Division II team or a lower-ranked SEC team until they play, like, a Georgia or an Auburn a team is going to really give them some comp. Same way I'm not really paying attention to um, Ohio State or Michigan until they actually play somebody within, you know, the Big Ten that's, you know, in that upper echelon. Because let's face it, the first three weeks of college football is really preseason for them like it is for the NFL. True. True. That is true. That is true. And to be honest, that's 
it's it's one of the reasons why they set up the I guess how the schedule is set up. It, they make it like a preseason game for them. Um, I would be very interesting to see actual teams play each other in the beginning of their like their first three weeks. I know it will never happen, but I would love to see a team say, you know what, you're going to get rid of the status quo. I feel as though my team is confident to to basically take on all all challenges and um, we'll prove it. You know, but like I said, that's not gonna that's not gonna work. But I mean, it's not going to happen. Um, I really believe me coming from a, a and I gotta go back to my old school. But me coming from a team that didn't really do much, it really I I get it to be honest with you. Um, with Rutgers, the atmosphere was it, I, you you say it's lukewarm. Um, down at John C. Smith, the time I was there. Um, even though the team wasn't doing exceedingly well, um, the atmosphere was still there. Um, where people, you know, students came every week no matter what. Um, I believe it was a time when the team was losing by at least 35 points. And, you know, usually people would just walk out during halftime because it was around halftime when it was, that was down. Uh, but everybody st- was still there and they, you know, was still trying to cheer on and, and I, and that was the first time I'm like, yo, y'all do realize they're not going to come back and win this game, you know. <laughs> just the fact that the people with the fans were there, like the teams were there, the alumni were there. It's like, yo, we still support. And I was like, okay, I, I, I respect that. I respect that. Um, but it's just, like you said, north up here, northeast, you don't feel that like you would do down in south or the southwest or, you know, they stay to the end. Like West Virginia, and like you said, we've been there. Uh, you can see like they, how they get down, and it's, it's respect because they get down. But you also have to realize that's probably the only college, no, the only sports team in West Virginia. When you think about it, um, there's you the Marshall team. You got Marshall. Oh, yeah, They're the yeah. little sister. Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, but okay, yeah, they're the little yeah. sister. It's, it's West Virginia. Come on. Yeah, Come on. it's West Virginia. Like when you, if, I mean, let's think about it. West Virginia represents West Virginia. So West Virginia is not going to say Marshall is, you know, the end-all, be-all. They don't represent West Virginia. They are part of West Virginia, but they don't truly represent West Virginia like West Virginia University. Right. Okay. So I think that's why a lot of th- a lot of people tend to fan towards West Virginia University instead of Marshall. So, I mean, I guess that's my opinion. I know you, you're the expert of it, but... I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do say that when you have universities that are the, that are the flagship of the state, and especially when they don't have an NFL team to latch on to, they'll tend to latch on to the big time college football, D1 college football team in the state to be that flag flagship football school. Especially if they're doing well. Right. You know, Rutgers will always be in the Giants and Jets shadow. That's the bottom line. You know what I mean? And uh, Boston College and all those schools up in the Northeast will be in the Patriots' shadow. That's true. You know, and then you got Buffalo, you got the Bills, but that's still considered New York. That's still considered that Northeast spectrum, you know, and, and Rutgers, you know, if we're just talking Rutgers or you're just talking about college football in the Northeast as a whole, you have a lot of football that's like kind of slammed right up in there that makes things really difficult because then you also got the Eagles, you got the Patriots, you got the Bills, you got the Jets, you got the Giants. 
all of that is like in a 300 mile radius. <laughs> and to be honest, you can even throw in something like you, you got Rutgers, but you also got Princeton. You still got um, some of the actual closer colleges that are right there in that area. Um, you still got some New York colleges. You still, you know, you have that are still representing D1 school. So yeah. they, you know, you, you take the fan base out of that as well. So it, it, it does split. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough. You know, but like 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 you said, like if Rutgers put out a product that was really good, you would see that they go the fandom would go from lukewarm to electric because they're putting out a good product. But you can't kids in that area just don't see Rutgers as a viable destination, <laughs> so they choose to take their talents elsewhere, and that's what kind of keeps you know Rutgers kind of humble. Not to say that they're terrible because they're not. You know, they just they have their stretches where they're just not very good. But, you know, it's hard, you know, but that's what, but to me, that's what made college football great because Rutgers can turn around and shock the world and win seven or eight games this year. And everybody be like, well, what the hell? To be honest, it's not, it's not like it's not doable. It's just they haven't proven that they could do it. But to be honest, they did do that when they got into that bowl game. And when they was eligible for that bowl game, that's pretty much what all the New York media was talking about. Even New York News was talking about how Rutgers and, you know, they included them as their their team and, you know, to root for them in the bowl game. So, you know, if they have a good enough season, they could turn it around and be included in much of the talk, in the sports talks. Because when that happened, that's all I kept hearing was how, you know, Rutgers is doing great things and, you know, they're in this bowl game and, you know, they have a winning record and, you know, they should, as long as they continue to keep this up, you know, they're going to be talked about more and more often. And, you know, it it, it can happen. Definitely can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember they had, they had a stretch where they really had the attention of the, the, the Northeast about, what was that, at least 10 Years ago, with the Ray Rice era, yeah, Ray Rice with Great Channels there, and it'd be Louisville that was ranked number two, and they had a, they had a, a stretch, a window where you know they kind of caught lightning in a bottle and caught the attention of people in the Northeast. Um, I mean, it, Giants were still doing pretty good, but Rutgers had been in the doormat, you know, for you know college football, you know for a very long time. And they had that little stretch where you could see the fandom. I mean, I went to one of the games during that stretch and it was just like, what the hell is all of this? It wasn't like this when I was there. And, you know, Rutgers didn't know what to do with that as a whole. I mean, they they weren't used to a, a college football team that was good and garnering such attention like, you know, let's say your school, Virginia was. They didn't, they didn't know what to do with it. Um, and so instead of going ahead and trying to put the football school program in more of the forefront, they kind of took like a lukewarm approach, like, well, let's see what happens. And then they kept, was a bit more consistent. Now you get more people come to the school, everything opens up. So now they, they went to the Big Ten hoping they could catch that lightning in a bottle back because they built all the new, you know, facilities over there. They built all the new housing and dorms all because they wanted to sell, not the, scholastic part of it they wanted to sell the football part of it yeah. and now the kids coming there because they've seen all the stuff that happened 
you know, several years ago with Shiano, and then the last couple of years it's just been bad. Ash has just not had the great recruiting classes. He's it's starting to look a little bit better now, but what he got from Kyle Flood was trash. So <laughs> and Kyle Flood wrecked what Shiano gave him. Shiano gave him a pretty good running car. Just keep it, you know, oil in it, it's some gas and keep improving. And he and he ran that shit to the ground. However, but I get you saying, you know, it's the first college football game is on, you know, Saturday and it's going to get anyone's juices bubbling. And, you know, it's a, an exciting time of the year. Yeah, sure is. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure we'll have plenty of college football conversation as, uh, as we wind down the summer and move into the fall. And we start trying to evaluate some of the top talent where we see that can make some impact within the NFL. But it's a nice segue to get into the NFL. Um, so much going on in the news. Uh, you have your Baker Mayfields apologizing to uh, to the, the, the uh, to the the Giants. What's what's his name now? Daniel Jones or whatever his yep. name is. <laughs> Daniel Jones. Yep. Apologizing, you know, reaching out to him to say, "Yo, dude, I ain't say what I said." Blah blah blah. Got got Jarrah out here talking about Ezekiel who. Uh, and now Zeke is in his feelings. Um, we still got the A-B saga. <laughs> I mean, uh, where do we even begin? I mean, do we just kind of just hop from league to division to division, you know, just kind of pick on some points? Because uh, we still got some NFL teams who haven't even played their starting quarterback yet for the preseason. One of them being the Eagles, Carson Wentz. He's not played uh, a single snap this preseason yet, and I don't know if he will. <laughs> so, you know, I guess we could start. Let's, let's, let's get the cat out of the bag. Let's just get this whole A-B drama. Let's put it to rest one last time. So we know he filed another grievance because he still feels as though he wants to wear the helmet anymore last year. And him and his team found a loophole within the system where they're saying that his particular helmet was not one of the helmets that were in that grandfather clause where you could wear it for one more year while you find another helmet that's suitable going into this coming season. And he believes that he deserves that grandfather clause like all the other helmets that were out there for that one additional year while he finds his helmet. It's ridiculous. Yes. This is as ridiculous as his feet. But I get where he's coming from. You know, if Tom Brady and Drew Brees and whomever had their – oh, it wasn't Drew Brees, but it was uh, Aaron Rodgers that had their particular helmets and they were able to be grandfathered last year, but they had to find a new helmet this year. His helmet wasn't on that list. But for whatever reason, his helmet now is on that list of banned helmets but was never in that list of the grandfather helmets. He feels as though he should get that one year. In a nutshell – in less than 20 seconds, what are you guys' thoughts on this whole situation? I guess I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I, I'll put it as, as quickly as I can say. Um, you should file a grievance if that is true. If, the, if they say, you know what, you're, we'll do that. We'll make that deal for you. We'll grandfather it in another year. So be it. You're happy. 
you go back, get your helmet, go play. If they don't, and they say, you know what, we cut it, yo, it's over. Like, get into the season. Like, get yourself ready. Find a helmet. Start playing. Like, you are in a position basically to say, I mean, whatever the judge or whatever they say as far as your helmet is concerned, just act accordingly and just be professional and say, you know what, I may not agree with it or maybe, you know, if they if it goes the other way, I may not agree with it, but I'm going to do what I need to do to help out my team, bottom line. Because at the end of the day, even though you're practicing, you still not – when season one comes, you're still going to be not in preseason form. It's going to take a while for you to get caught up into the mix. So I think that you should help your teammates out. I get it. It's more beneficial. I mean, if this is what you want to do, that's fine. The teammates is probably all in agreement for it. But once it's settled and settled once and for all, get yourself back on the team and start playing. That's, I think that's what the teammates are saying at this stage right now. So does grandfather claw. So, <laughs> okay, let me make sure I get this. So certain helmets were going to be grandfathered in or certain people's helmets are going to be grandfathered in? Nah, so what it was, you know, there's a plethora of helmets out there and the NFL did case studies on all of them and found that there were certain helmets that didn't meet the safety standards that the NFL was looking for. Some players within the league were wearing those particular helmets and they were given last year, they knew about the rule that was coming for this year, but last year they were allowed to wear the helmets that they were wearing last year, but throughout the course of the year would have to find a new helmet coming into the 2019 season. So in AB's case, his helmet wasn't even part of that whole list of grandfathered helmets from last season. But it showed up on the list of banned helmets this season. So his thing is, how is it that Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and et cetera, was able to get their helmet to be grandfathered in for one additional year while they choose to find a helmet? But you're telling me I don't have that opportunity with my helmet that I automatically just got to find a new helmet. They found a loophole. So were there any other helmets that were not on the list that are banned now that other people are not playing with? Nobody's come forward to say that, no. Get over it, A.B. <laughs> that serious. And if you notice your helmet wasn't on a list or you weren't a part of the people that was being grandfathered in, then you should have said something last year. Don't come to me this year and, and want to cry about it. Just get over it, man. It's, it's a, I mean, I understand safety is an issue, but what the NFL is saying that we don't want to put you out there and then you get injured by wearing your old helmet that we said you can't wear. And now if you get injured, what's the first thing you're going to do to the NFL? Mm-hmm. No way. I you that's a that's a very thin stretch in a loophole because I'm like NFL be like well let's say Aaron Donald helmet was on that list but he's wearing his new helmet now what about OBJ his helmet was on that list it's not being grandfathered in or what about Ben Roethlisberger his helmet was not on that list to be grandfathered in but he's wearing their new helmets now just get over it man <laughs> Come on, man. You are going at the end of the day to either lose or not play. 
And if you don't play, you're not going to get paid. And he has 30 million plus reasons guaranteed why he's going to play. So at the end of the day, Avery's going to have a helmet on. Yo, I'm telling you right now, Steelers fans is like, I'm so glad we not had this head case no more. They are wiping his brow. Yeah, they're doing exactly that. I mean, Steelers fans is like, see, this is what I tried to tell you guys, but y'all didn't want to listen. So now he's your problem. Exactly. But you know what? Uh, the saga continues. Um, we shall uh, we shall see how this ends. Personally, I think he has a dog in the fight. Um, but I don't think the NFL wants to bid. So I don't know if it's going to become a stalemate. But then it's going to come down to the Raiders brass and, like, look, we're paying you just like the uh, Mayock. You know, the GM came out there and said, either you all in or you all out. Because we'll cut your ass now. We're going to find a wide receiver to come in and take your spot. So we can move forward and just continue on with our season. We can't deal with the drama because now you're just bringing unnecessary drama to the squad. But you know what? Then that's on the GM because you already knew what you was getting yourself into when you first brought him in to begin with. So that also looks on the If they were to cut him, that looks bad on the GM as well because everybody warned you. And then at the end of the day, you still signed him, and then he doesn't play week one, that would be a bad look for Raiders organization. True, true. Well, A.B., I hope you know what you got to do. Uh, like he said, 30-plus million dollars is every reason enough to go out there and suit up for week one. Put on a helmet and go, dude. If it hurts your head, it hurts everybody's head the first couple of days you wear it. Get over it. <laughs> but moving right along... Staying in the going back to the NFC, going back to our buddy Jarrah and Ezekiel Elliott's holdout. And Jarrah's like, Who? Who's Ezekiel Elliott? And now Zeke in this camp is all in their feelings, talking about, Oh, that's disrespect, blah, 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 blah. Do you think Jarrah was joking when he said all this? Or do you think, like, legitimately? He might have said it jokingly, but in the back of his head, it's like, yeah, for real, though. Yeah, we, we might have a running back that could just get the job done just as good as he. I say a little bit of both. I mean, you know, he probably was doing that jokingly, like, who? Like, <laughs> man, I was laughing about it. But I guess you got to hear out in context and he tried to clean it up. But when he snapped back and got real pissed about it, saying, I earned the right to joke with him. Uh, you're paying Ezekiel Elliott for service, but the way that he he probably feels the way he stuck his neck out on several occasions in the NFL and came to bat for you on several occasions in the NFL when they were trying to really bring the hammer down on you, um, I guess he feels like he can get away with that because he's been there from time and time again. Now, if he was another football player or he wasn't Ezekiel Elliott, he would have cut bait with his ass a long time ago. But since he's your star running back, he's going to go the extra mile for you. So I guess he's feeling like, yeah, I, I did all this for you in the NFL. Yeah, I think I can joke with you and not earn the right because I defended you against the NFL when they really wanted to bring the hammer down on you. So – you know, let's, you know, I guess you're trying to say, I can joke, but I earned the right to joke because I've been there for you when right. you were some serious shit. 
Um, I got one word in regards to Jerry Jones, and that's entitlement. He feels that he's entitled to do or say whatever he wants because he is Jerry Jones. He's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I, I agree with you. After all the stuff that he's done for Ezekiel Elliott, I, I think he's in, he feels that he's entitled to say whatever he can say. Um, I mean, I agree with it, um, but let's be let's, truth be told, Ezekiel Elliott and his team can't. I, I could see why they are upset, but at the end of the day, that's your boss. Like he could easily say that and have no grudge. I mean, have, I mean, without a smile and say this is business, dude. Like you know, I could say I could easily pick another running back to replace you, like all jokes aside. And you see that now with owners nowadays anyway. Like, you see what he did with Des Bryant? Like, was it Des Bryant? No. Was it Des Bryant? Who left? Marco Murray. Huh? Marco Murray. That, perfect. Another example. So, like, I get it. Ezekiel Elliott feels as though that, you know, he's that star running back. But owners don't feel that way as much as the players do. Owners feel as though as a business standpoint, if you're messing with my money, that's a problem. And at the end of the day, if he feels as though that Ezekiel Elliott is becoming a threat, he could easily get rid of that threat and replace it with somebody else. That's what owners do. That's a part of the NFL business. So I – even though I don't know, I can't say if he was really joking or not in regards to Ezekiel who, but I'm pretty sure that if he, even if he wasn't joking, I feel so that's really how he feels at this stage. I think that's how owners feel. You know, like at the end of the day, yeah, you could say whatever, do, but as long as you're doing what, you know, what I'm paying you to do, that's all that matters. And if you got something against it, then I'll just find somebody else. And unfortunately, that's what the NFL business is all about. So even though he said Ezekiel, who I really believe that he could say, you know what, you know, you don't really mean that much to me, dude. Like I could find someone else. And you've seen that. Like you could see Pittsburgh Steelers is a perfect example. Like they, Le'Veon Bell was the end-all, be-all, the, the best running back. And you see how well they treated him before he went to New York, to the, Jet, to the Jets. So you have to be mindful that these owners, you know, they have a mindset of, you know, I really believe of entitlement where they could say, you know what, yeah, you know, stay in your lane because at the end of the day, I can replace you with just like that with the quickness. So, well, the NFL doesn't, the NFL owners, GMs, whatever, don't value the running back position, say they did 20 years ago. True. You know, because 20 years ago, running backs would be drafted number one. And all those other things would be whatever. You know, the way the league is being ran now, it's a pass-first league, and they rather have running backs by committee where they're not dumping in a ton of money to one position, especially for a running back. You know what I mean? So, Ezekiel, Zeke got a – he's walking a fine line. Don't get me wrong. Most productive running back since he came out of college for the last three years, hands down. The, the Cowboys offense with Zeke on the field and a healthy Dak and a, and a viable receiving core is a potent offense because it, it goes through Zeke and everything else kind of just happens after the fact. But Zeke got to realize it's only – teams ain't going to go out there and pay that sort of money. Like, 
Le'Veon Bell proved his worth for about six, seven years before the Jets turned around and gave him the 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 uh, the contract that he got. And from my understanding, that wasn't even the most lucrative contract he could have taken. Uh, yeah. well, that's, no, well, he probably could have got a little bit more money with the Steelers had he. Right, if he had burned the bridge. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, I can't see Jerry turn around and paying him more than $14 million a year. I know the Rams are sitting there kicking themselves, giving Todd Gurley that big-ass contract, and now he got this bum knee. Knowing he had the bum knee coming out of college. Right. <laughs> they, they weren't yeah, – well, that's – they weren't kicking themselves the first eight weeks of the season, so. <laughs> no, no, no. But when he couldn't play in the playoffs, you know, and they're talking about now they're putting him on – you know, he's on a uh, – a snap count now, like they're gonna they're gonna limit his touches in the game now. You think they want to give some dude making seventeen million dollars a game, eighteen touches a game, or seventeen million a year, only eighteen touches a game? That fool should be getting anywhere between twenty five and thirty touches at that type of money. But they can't cut him. <laughs> I mean, guess they could, yeah, but they're not going to because he's still productive and he's still one of the better backs. But I guarantee if he comes out and has another subpar season like he did last year, they're going to get rid of his ass. Or they'll restructure. Right. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to sit here and give us back $8 million. <laughs> you nine, or you could test the market. <laughs> but that's my point. Like, you know, the players really believe, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I completely agree. Go after the money that you feel you're worth. But you don't have that leverage when it comes to stuff like this, that basically the owners have the leverage, the GMs have the leverage. And if they feel as though that they're going to stay under a particular number with you for your services, they're going to stay there. Um, unless you prove yourself to go extra beyond the, the what you, you know, what they, your potential is, they're going to look at one particular number and stay there. And they're not going to try and go over it. They're not going to try to accommodate um, for your services at this stage. I, and that's what I really feel with Jerry Jones. He's you never seen him be that type of dude to say I'm going to go five million over your, the asking price because I feel as though that you know we're family and you know things like that. It's a business. It's a business league, and they stick to that number for a reason. They're business owners and GMs for a particular reason. And Ezekiel Elliott needs to understand that you know you could try to get to that point as much as you want, but at the end of the day, if you don't, if they don't even negotiate uh, uh, where you could come to an agreement with the numbers that you're asking or, you know, come to some type of compromise, it's not going to happen. So then the question is, what are you going to do then? I agree. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess my last comment on this one is that, I mean, in, in, the, in the negotiation aspect of trying to get a deal done, this doesn't make the situation any better. Um, sure. uh, I think when I think he was half joking and half serious when he said Zeke who um, probably feeling his oats after you know Pollard had a pretty good game, um, but the way he said that he earned the right to say that he shouldn't have probably used that that kind of you know the, that that phrase. But this is Jerry being you know Jerry, exactly. and um, it just didn't sound 
it, it, it didn't come off right. And I can see exactly how Zeke's camp got offended by that because I would have been offended by that. Oh, really? Okay. If I know you're joking and we have to kind of joke, I might be laughing like, yeah, yeah all right, you funny. And then when you come back, you know, I earned the right to joke with him like that in a condescending plantation ownership way, mm. which it kind of came off to some people as, then you're going to get offended. And it doesn't help the negotiations one bit at all. Um, but at the end of the day, Cowboys sold the leverage. Um, a deal will get done. Um, I don't know whether it's going to get done sooner or later. Um, it'll probably get done before game two um, of the season. It may not get done before game one. I think it probably got done before game one if he was there and this kind of shenanigans back and forth wasn't going down. Um, but the fact that Jalen Smith just got his money, they got him out the way, which is extremely team friendly, which allows him now to go out there and be like, all right, uh, Dak, you can get your money. Zeke, you can get your money. Amari, you might get your money mid to near the end of the season. We want to see how this plays out. But the way this comments come up didn't make the negotiations any any better. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, you know, I'm not saying that the Cowboys land is just dysfunctional, but uh, – they definitely got their work cut out for them for their uh, their top three offensive uh, pieces uh, moving within the season. But lastly, if we're going to touch on, if we could say, uh, characters of the league, do we want to put Baker as one of those characters of the league? You know, is he is he positioning himself to be a superstar, but a very outspoken superstar? Is he going to put his foot in his mouth, say like a la Jalen Ramsey from last year, uh, when he talked about how other players suck and he don't suck, but you know that then the Jaguars turn around and suck, and he had a subpar season. Will this be the curse? Will this now be deemed a GQ curse? Because Baker came out and said what he said. <laughs> and now he's retracting and now reaching out to Daniel Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what are you guys' thought? I, I, I thought it was hilarious, but, you know. <laughs> I'm going to refer this to the residential giants um, <laughs> expert over here. Like I, like I texted earlier, what did he ever – what did Daniel Jones ever do to Baker Mayfield? <laughs> um, I guess in all fairness, since we weren't actually at the GQ interview, uh, we don't know exactly in what context the comment came out. Was it a question? Or was it a comment about something else? Whether it was joking? Uh, so we don't, we don't know the full context of how the statement came out. But the statement was out there. <laughs> so, I mean, this is... Baker Mayfield has been unapologetic since, you know, he was at Oklahoma. So, um, you know, he's been writing some checks since college. So far, he's been cashing them. Um, he's got to the NFL. He's, you know, he hasn't really made a, a ton of waves. Uh, well, let me phrase it. He's made some waves in-house with his own team with um, their running back, which eventually got traded. Um <laughs> But um, he hasn't really made any waves. And he picked this target if he was trying to come at Daniel Jones very carefully. 
Jalen Ramsey picked some high-profile people out there that were, you know, seasoned veterans talking about. Um, he picked Daniel Jones, a, you know, a rookie coming in. Um, I just hope that this doesn't ever come back to really bite him. Because, yeah, he said he texted Daniel Jones, just move it over and blah, blah, blah. But he should have never said it. But this is Baker Mayfield. This is what the um, – the Browns want. I don't know why he and Odell seem to can't keep the Giants out of their mouths. Right. I just say that I hope somewhere down the line it doesn't come back to bite them where they, the the um the Browns make their way into the Super Bowl against the Giants and Baker Mayfield is now facing a Daniel Jones who in his first two games didn't look that bad at all. I well, just go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Feels though that the Browns is going to be the new soap opera of the NFL. It's just, it just appears to be that way. Like I have a feeling that the Browns is just going to be the most talked about because of their talking more so than their play. I think their stuff's going to be like, I just have that feeling. Like it's going to be either some trash talking or something going to be down where the Browns is going to be most talked about in the NFL. And all jokes aside, I agree with you, Earl. I mean, why even bring up Daniel Jones to begin with? Why even bring up the Giants to begin with? Out of all the teams you picked on, you pick on someone from the Giants. And I really believe that OBJ has some some type of dealing behind the scenes in regards to it. Um, I think they still keep tabs. I think he still keeps tabs on the Giants, actually, um, as far as what they do and everything is how to, you know, I think he still keeps ties with them. So I think all this was just a whole bunch of just talk that he needs to stay focused on the game itself. The Browns, have it, have they made the playoffs last year? Nah, they no. Were last year. Yeah, so they need to focus on trying to make the playoffs first before talking about anything else. Like, let's be honest, OBJ hasn't made I mean hasn't been on a winning team that got I mean not including the Giants but they haven't been to the point where he's got a championship ring that whole Browns team need to focus on having a winning record first um seven and eight was there but they need to be better than that and they have all the tools to be better than that they just need to stop focusing on other teams and focus on the Browns themselves because if they start focusing on other teams and stop and stop focusing on themselves they may not make it back to the playoffs or make it into the playoffs this year. Well, I will say this much. The the Browns definitely have an air of swagger about them this year. You know, when you, you add a OBJ, you got a Kareem Hunt that can't even play the first eight games, but you still got him stashed away. Um, they had talent even before the two of them came over there. And now you actually have players who are free agents, high-profile free agents that want to go there and actually consider them as a team they want to play for. To me, it's not a matter if the Browns are going to be good. I think the Browns are going to be really good this year as long as Baker improves. And Baker, he, he just has that, that mindset that, you know, his joint don't stink. I mean, he had it at Oklahoma. It's this, it's this that moxie he brings. And I think that, you know, he means no disrespect, but in the same sense, I really think that, you know, that's just the arrogance of how great he wants to be. 
And it wouldn't shock me if the Browns win 10 games coming in this season. I don't think they get past the first round of the playoffs. But I think just based off of their their arrogance, their swagger, I think that they're going to actually do well. And I just saw on the waiver wire that they picked up Braxton Miller. Oh, really? Receiver. Okay. You know, so they picked up yet another person who could possibly run some trick plays because, you know, Braxton Miller was a quarterback at Ohio State. So who knows what bag of tricks they may have up their sleeve by signing to Braxton Miller and putting them on with that 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 cast of characters that they already have there. But I'm I'm not I'm not knocking the talent that they have. I'm knocking really the chemistry and the coaching aspect of it. Um, I, I I don't I'm not uh, the chemistry is really more important. I think that if the chemistry is there, then they definitely have what it takes to 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 be good. Um, but I, I, I do have concerns. That's, I, I mean, I have concerns about them. That's bottom line. How much you got? Uh, are, are they going to be good? Um, probably better than they were last year. They, they should be. Um, they definitely have a lot of talent. Um, defense is not being talked about enough. And they're very talented. They have a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they have all the talent, all the pieces in the world. Um, for, for Baker Mayfield, like you said, Ace, he has to have moxie. You do a lot of chirping, you do a lot of antics, you got to back it up. That's right. And let the field do the talking. If you don't do well this season, you are going to get ripped. And the okay. kind of ripping that you got in college will pale in comparison than what you're going to get in the NFL because now you're in a, you're in a prime time. And for better or for worse, you guys are over there putting a big bullet on your backs in Cleveland. Correct. So let's see how it goes. I agree. I mean, I can appreciate the drama that the NFL brings, but still college football reigns supreme. (laughs) Fair enough. With that being said, fellas, we come up against our time. Actually, I want to, I want to, I want to hit one topic very briefly, which we did talk about last year. I wanted to, I know we've been hearing a lot of chirping about J- um, Jay-Z and his partnership with well, uh. and there's been a lot of back and forth about that as far as, you know, is it was it good? What's the motives behind it? You know, was it money? Should he have, you know, there's been a lot of stuff. After that, um, after that press conference, um, which they had, and which I think that Jay-Z probably would have benefited himself by having a much more prepared statement, than just going free form. Um, I'll give him, I'm gonna give him a benefit of the doubt based on his past work that he's done in social services. But I still think he needs to be a bit more, what's the word? He he needs to be a bit more um, expansive as far as the deal, the plans, how does this fit into the overall social media aspect. Um, I think he needs to kind of be a little bit more, explain this, the details of this plan and what he plans to accomplish a bit more than by saying that we're done with kneeling. Now it's going to be my items. I wish he would have been a bit more, you know, explained the actual items a bit more and saying that, okay, 
kneeling is done, this is going to be the points A, B, and C that we want to accomplish, and this is how we're going to accomplish that with the NFL. He didn't do that. He said about a lot of things. He spoke to Cap, Cap saying that maybe he did or didn't. I don't know, but I would have hoped he would have been explained his stance and what they're going to do a bit more than just some of the comments, because the comments that he made made everything look a little bit disingenuous. And based from what I saw about what this partnership is going to be, I don't see how doing any shows for the halftime or the Pro Bowl or anything like that, entertainment-wise, how does that push the, you know, how does that push the agenda for social justice? Because the NFL is not the culprits, it's a whole different system. So I've given the benefit of the doubt, but I'm still unsure with the NFL where this is all go. Now, my question is, did you hear about the T of May Dupree pretty much in conversation with NFL about the same particular situation last year? <clears throat> he picked up the phone and was like, no, I don't think you should do that. And now all of a sudden, Jay-Z is doing the same thing that Jermaine Dupree was pretty much going to be going to do or getting in cahoots with with the NFL from last year. What is your thoughts about that? Like I said, uh, I'll give him a very slight benefit of the doubt, but it still looks extremely disingenuous, which is why which is probably why he didn't explain everything that he wanted to what they're going to do because it's probably not a whole lot there, which is why I always said the devil is in the details. And if this all lines up to him getting some kind of ownership at the end of the day of a team, whether it be majority or minority, then if that's the end of your result, then so be it. That's what this all was. And it was a disingenuous move to get smart move from his particular standpoint, but disingenuous at overall you know, movement itself. But based on his past work that he's done, like I said, I'm going to give him a slight benefit of the doubt, but he needs to explain, you know, what this worse is all going. I don't think we ever get it, but he needs to. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Well, first things first. Um, I, someone said on the, I listen to um, Sirius XM every chance that I get. Um, especially on Urban View. And um, I forgot which show I was listening to um, when they was talking about it, but they were saying that the optics of it was wrong for Jay-Z. Um, they said that, you know, if they, if, you know, being that he is, you know, in heavily involved with social change, they were saying that instead of just going there representing by yourself, maybe you should have bought like a social change organization um, maybe a black organization um, with you to help bring in, you know, this whole talk so that you wouldn't put yourself, like put a foot in your mouth, let them handle the speaking engagement and just be that back person that you brought in to at least bring together to collaborate from a social justice standpoint with the NFL. Um, and that was a very good point. But instead, he went there from a business aspect, not from a social change aspect, from a, but from a business aspect. Um, I, I thought the optics of it was definitely all wrong. I think he could have done better than what he did. Not saying that what he did, where, where is he at now? You know, I'm not 
concerning about that. But the optics of it with Roger Goodell was completely wrong. Um, I think that what I agree with you, Earl, completely. Whatever I plan that he has, he needs to bring it out to the light so that people can understand. Because otherwise, people are not going to always not going to be happy with just the optics of what you just presented. And right now, it, it's not a good look. Um, so I must. I'm going to definitely wait until I see the bigger plan before I comment. I know last week I was saying before I thought it was a good move from a business standpoint, but I'm going to wait to see the bigger plan before I completely give my full agreement or disagreement or my full opinion on that. But I do want to say one thing, and I do want to make a mini rant to Marcellus Wiley for saying what he said about Colin Kaepernick not being 100% black enough to say the things that he said. And I, that was on my mind um, past, I think, past couple of days. I completely forgot it. But for Marcus Wiley to say what he said and said to talk about his girlfriend um, being not completely black when she is, a, in fact, Egyptian, which is a part of being in, in Africa, I, I thought that was just mind-blowing. And so many things that I could say, but I'm not going to get into it because I know we're running out of time. But I thought that for what Marcus Wiley did rant about was completely wrong. And I thought that that was very disrespectful to completely get off topic about what you was talking about with Colin Kaepernick and Jay-Z thought was all wrong. Um, but I think that going back to Jay-Z, I think that we need to see more before we can discuss whether or not he did the right thing or did. Hey. <laughs> I called it when we talked about it last, last week. And I thought that this had everything to do with becoming an owner. And, and you did. Lo and behold, a day later, that's exactly what it all came out to be. You did. You know, so. And then, of course, my next thing was, if he becomes an owner, then does he try to bring Colin in? But he'll never, he doesn't have the type of bread that'll make him majority owner to make that, that, that type of decision. So that definitely is not the case. But, you know, everybody's saying that what Jay did was 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 right and what's good and he'll knock down barriers and get other African Americans in there and lots of, you know, other people of color uh, to become minority owners or whatever. Um I still reserve judgment because I think I, I mean, I, I just don't know what to think about the whole situation, honestly. Um, but the thing that really just kind of just stuck out to me, not even so much the social justice, not so much the halftime or Super Bowl type shows, the whole thing about him quietly, well, not so much quietly now, but outside just coming in and being a part, uh, minority owner of an NFL team. It, it, it reeked of that when it came out, you know, and it, for it to to then become the reality just that quick. You know, it, it's not it's not a sleazy move. It's, it's a business move. You know, Jay-Z is a businessman. You know, but where was he when Diddy was trying to sit there and get his, get the bread together to try to become, you know, owners of the Charlotte, Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Panthers? You didn't hear, you didn't hear Diddy talking about Jay-Z trying to get that money in there. So obviously Jay-Z must have been having something in the works prior to when all of this was going down or when maybe it has everything to do with telling Jermaine Dupree, nah, you shouldn't do that. 
and then sliding in and taking Jermaine Dupree's spot and then working out the intricate details of how things can kind of work its way out and maybe it just took a whole year for it to be announced. You know, but I'm curious to see if he does become that minority, does he reach out to Diddy? Because Diddy already has interest of trying to become an owner. Does he try to bring him in? You know, how many other influential men or women of power, of money, money, men or women of color that have the, the money to sit there and pool together to, to really become an owner of a squad? <clears throat> That's what I really want to see. You know, because the social justice thing, it's the good old boy network. I mean, they can sit there and grin and nod, and Jay-Z could probably say a whole bunch of crap, but at the end of the day, how much will the NFL really do? How much will the NFL really donate and give and do whatever? And to be <laughs> sorry, to be honest, I mean, I get it, the Jay-Z situation is a big talk, but we should still stay focused on the NFL and what Roger Goodell is doing. Like, all jokes aside, Roger Goodell is not – is he's just letting this run amok at this stage. Like, everything now is all about Jay-Z and um, Colin Kaepernick. Why that's not, you know, why that is not, why the issue is there. But in actuality, the NFL is still where it is. And like you said, Ace, it's not going to change unless we get, I mean, Roger Goodell should be, Roger Goodell should be focusing on those things as far as social justice is concerned. But now we have, he has Jay-Z to do it on the back end now so that now we talk about social justice and Jay-Z when we should be talking about social justice injustice with Colin, I mean, with Roger Goodell and the NFL as a whole. And I think that's where we lose track of because now you see everybody is just talking about Jay-Z when the focus should be more on Roger Goodell. Agreed. Hey, my last comment is uh, the Kyle Kaepernick suit. They didn't want to go to trial. They said a lot of court. They didn't want a whole lot of things coming out in trial. So that would have been a, a much more bigger thing. Correct. Than what's occurring right now. Correct. Well, the fellas, I'm sure we'll, as things unfold and we learn more who this secret NFL team or teams were interested in Jay-Z, you know, it'll start shedding, you know, come to light. So it'll be really interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. But, we definitely have run our course and uh, come up against the time today. But once again, it's always a pleasure when we can sit there and talk about sports and we can even dab into the social justice, social justice side of it as well. But all that being said, let folks know exactly where you can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Snapchat and the gram, uh, J.E. Ralston, number seven. Um, and, oh, you, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls, Twitter and Instagram, and I am Al Qualls. And one more thing, shout out to Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry mm. for doing his thing with Howard University and pledging to help get that college, I mean, that golf team off to a, a great start. Um, so many times we talk about everything else, but it's good to see um, players or sport pro players, pro basketball players or pro sports players as a whole care about HBCU schools. And to be honest, more players should do that and focus on historical black colleges as well. But it's great for him to get Howard University's golf um, program off to a great start. 
Six year commitment. Good stuff. Kudos, kudos, definitely, definitely. He did a great thing. And I think a lot of people were kind of wondering why he chose Howard when they could have chose so many different schools to get back on, you know, to, to get the program on the map. But I was happy to see that he chose HBCU. Yeah, it was a request because one of the um, – it's a top um, high school or now a top college kid um, who is – one has the potential to be the next Tiger Woods in golf. Um, someone s- submitted a request to Stephen Curry um, in regards to and letting him know that, hey, this Howard University doesn't have a golf program. And he could have went to many – all these other schools, but he decided to go to Howard in regards to it. But they just didn't have a golf program. So um, someone reached out to Stephen. They made it. He made it happen. Man, kudos to Steph. You know, this goes to show that there's life outside of basketball, and still a lot of good things that could be done out there. Correct. But also, you can find me on Twitter at catdaddy1963. That's catdaddy1963 on Twitter. Uh, with that being said, it's a pleasure always getting together with you fellas. You know, every Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day we, we deem possible. This is Hand Talk Sports. So, folks out there, we love you. We appreciate you. You know, you, you can hit us up on uh, a lot of different social media platforms. I'm not even going to go and list them because we're pretty much on all of them. Google, Android, Apple, you name it, YouTube, whatever. We there. So, with that being said, till next time, look forward to another episode of Guys Talk. One.